Hey, In The Paint fam, um, definitely want to start this podcast off by acknowledging that there is going to be things that if you're listening to the podcast, um, it was recorded Tuesday, June 15th, yesterday at um, 9 p.m. last night. And so there are things that you probably know now through the news of the NBA that have already happened um, that will not be mentioned on the podcast because they hadn't happened yet. We recorded before all this stuff came out. Um, there's a, a game that KD goes off in and he goes goes nuclear. He has an incredible performance. And we actually, um, I recorded a segment that you'll hear before that so I can give some context as to why we don't talk about it. But again, you can't talk about things before they happen. Um, we're only just now learning of these things and seeing these things after we record it. Um, Want to address a bunch of news, obviously, that happened this morning. Um, again, the the stuff all came out Wednesday morning. We recorded Tuesday night at 9 p.m. So all this is new information. Um, but by the time you're listening to this, you're probably already knowing what we're going to talk about or what I'm about to address in, in this podcast. But um, first bit of information that came out um, this morning was that um, right when I woke up around like, I don't know, 8.39 a.m. on Wednesday, June 16th, um, is that Chris Paul is now in COVID protocol. And as we got more information throughout this day today, um, we find out that he actually tested positive for COVID and he will be out indefinitely. Um, time frame and protocols will differ based on if he's vaccinated or not. Um, that has not been disclosed, nor should it be. That is his personal business, but we'll eventually know based on the timeline of things whether or not um, he's vaccinated or not, which I'm not mentioning that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying timeline will differ based on whether he is or isn't. Um, and then you get into contact tracing. I really hope this doesn't um, affect anything in terms of the rest of the the Phoenix Suns. I hope that a lot of them are vaccinated and they may not catch this or that it doesn't get transmitted easily. Um, but obviously, first and foremost, want to look out for Chris Paul's health. I hope he is okay. I hope that um, if he is vaccinated, he doesn't feel the severity of symptoms that you could if you don't, or that maybe he doesn't feel any. And unfortunately, he just tested positive and it sucks. Um, I don't know what happened. Obviously, if it was something that happened after the game, I did see he went into the stands to hug his family and all that. Um, I don't know if that's violating COVID protocol or not. Um, if they're all vaccinated, I have no idea. We don't know that stuff. Again, nor should we. That is personal business. However, um, just wanted to point out that he is going to be out indefinitely. Um, even if the the Western Conference series between the Jazz and the Clippers goes longer, um, you know, he still may not be there for the start of it. But I do believe if it goes a little longer, he could probably end up playing at some point. And if he's vaccinated, it could be even quicker. Um, so that is the Chris Paul news. As for some Clippers news, again, more injury or protocol news, injury news on the Clippers front, Kawhi Leonard is out indefinitely with some sort of ACL injury. It seems like it's just a sprain, which you may still have to have surgery on depending on the severity of it. Hopefully he avoids that. Um, but even if that's the case, he is still out indefinitely, which basically means he's probably done for this series and maybe future series if they uh, end up pulling this out without him. I don't see a way that they win without him, but maybe Paul George goes nuclear like KD did last night. Who knows? Um, and then some other news, um, that just keeps popping up, um, again, stuff that was not the case last night, but definitely want to, to bring it up. Um, Stan Van Gundy out as coach, um, for the Pelicans and also Scott Brooks and the Wizards could not come to any sort of agreement on his contract. So he is also out as coach there. And then last but not least, the Mavericks have fired their GM, Don Nelson, um, after I believe like 20, 20 plus 23 years. Um, so a lot of news has happened. 
Um, the obviously crushing news is Chris Paul being in the COVID protocol and um, Kawhi Leonard having an ACL-type injury um, and both them being out indefinitely. Um, obviously, thoughts and prayers for both of them um, and as well as the coaches that have lost their jobs. Hopefully, they can get back on somewhere and make some, make some paychecks and, and make another job somewhere else. Um, but hopefully... Both Kawhi and CP3 both get back in a decent amount of time. Um, hopefully it's nothing severe. Um, but, again, wanted to make sure we addressed those things um, because they did happen post-recording, and so this episode's going to come out, and if I hadn't addressed anything, you would be like, oh, well, they're just not on their game. Um, we are on our game. It just hadn't happened yet. Um, Katie's segment will be addressed before we talk about the Nets and Bucks. It'll be entered in there, um, but wanted to give you the information about some of the injury and, and league news that happened very quick the next morning after we had recorded. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and, and check out another episode of In the Paint. Lately you've been searching for the only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want, I got what you need, I got what you need. All right, what is good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of In the Paint. I am joined, as I am every time we record, with my buddy, my hooping pal, my co-host, Joe. What's going on, man? I'm loving these playoffs, man. Like, we've got... Well, we got one second round series that's already done. That was just <laughs> toast. And then the other three are two and two. Like, you can't ask for much more right now, right? No, you are. You're spot on. Recording this on um, a Tuesday night about, what, nine o'clock Eastern time. Um, that is in the middle of, well, the the Bucks and Brooklyn Nets game is happening right now. Um, Bucks are up by 12 at the moment in um, the first quarter. But, um, yeah, you, you hit it like... Every series is well. Actually, two of them, like at one point, looked like they might be sweeps or dominant series, and then they completely flipped on their heads for different reasons. Um, somewhat the same, but some different. And then one, like a team should be at three one, and then just completely fell apart um, and just looked awful. And so, all of them now are even, and we're guaranteed at least six games with all of them, which is pretty cool. Which you gotta love. Um, but let's before we jump into those, let's quickly talk about actually some stuff that just dropped like an hour ago or maybe even 30 minutes ago. Um, so the NBA announced the the All-NBA teams, so first, second, and third um, All-NBA teams today. Um, and just want to quickly kind of note them, and then if we have any, like, you know, jumping at us thoughts, we can go from them. But um, so first team, it looks like we've got Curry, Luka, Giannis, Kawhi, and Jokic. Um, I don't know why we ever doubted Bill Simmons because he said it from the jump that this is what was going to happen. Um, we just thought that, like, if you want to pick the five best players this year, that Embiid would be one of them. But it sounds like they might have gone with, like, the games played type stuff. Um, or what Simmons said, Bill Simmons said that they don't historically put two centers, and they did it again. Yeah, so you can't really have a argument with the first team, right? Like, yeah, I... I, when we did ours, I put Embiid on the first team just because I thought his his season warranted that. Right. Um, you know, and really throughout the regular season, Clippers were kind of on cruise control. They were the fourth seed. They, you know, Kawhi was out there, and we maybe took him for granted a little bit, but he didn't. Him and the Clippers didn't jump out at you, right? right? So, so that would have been my that was my only switch, and. Like, I don't have an argument against it. I mean, Kawhi is obviously right now proving that he is, uh, you know, if not the best, one of the, you know, top two players left in the league yeah. right now in the playoffs. So 
yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I agree. I like if if your if your thing is I'm gonna flop Kawhi Leonard and or flip flop Kawhi Leonard and Embiid. Like okay, like I you know I don't really have an argument with that. Um, and that's what right. they did because you and I both had Embiid um, in the first team, regardless of how we felt about the two center thing. We're like, oh well, those are the the five best players. But from what we're seeing now, we know it's a regular season award. But what we're seeing now, like Kawhi Leonard is always and should always be a top five player. However you want to do it, you know, you can cut it up however you want. But like, when it comes down to it, if I'm naming the five best players, I might forget about Kawhi, but then I feel like an idiot because he always proves me wrong every single time. Um, right. As annoying as it is. But yeah, so like those five are, are, are okay with me. Um, honestly, if we want to be like, if we want to look at it, there's at times where I'm like, damn, Giannis sometimes strikes me as a guy that like m- doesn't perform as a top five player all the time. But but he has to be, you know what I mean? Like he has to be a top five player. I just don't know. Like, again, we're not, we can't snub guys from being top five because they're great. Like I'm not, we're, we're parsing and picking hair or, you know, splitting hairs at this point, but no, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You're right. I mean, Giannis so, didn't, it's not like his season was way drastically worse than the last two that he won MVPs on. I mean, get real, <laughs> right. Like the dude was still what? 27, eight and eight. Yeah. You know, something crazy. So maybe even like more, like I think he actually like double digit rebounds or even crazy shit like that. So yeah, you're like, we're trying to fit six players into a five person spot every year. And that's just, you know, there's always going to be somebody that like gets left out, you know, but I'll tell you this and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I think as we go through these teams real quick, um, boy, it's just getting harder and harder because there are <laughs> so many good basketball players now. Like the league is in great hands. And I think yes. a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, people like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James, you know, I mean, cause it, there, there was a little lull right after Jordan retired. Right. Until yes. like Kobe became Kobe, you know, and, and you had guys like, you know, Antoine Walker and Steve Francis, like where your superstars when they were just like, really, they weren't, they were just high volume, you know, chuckers who scored a lot of points super yeah. inefficiently. You don't have that anymore. Those guys don't even exist in the NBA anymore. Like, they are regulated to, you know, seventh or eighth man, or they're not in the league. Yeah, like, if you can't score efficiently, there's a lot of teams that don't even want to take a chance on you. Like, or like you said, or they're, you're, in, you're in a role position, you know, spot on these rosters. But the top players in this league, like, we can go through this list. I mean, every one of these players, you can make an argument like, is unless you're like a full on center and isn't shooting threes a whole lot, but like they're in the 50, 40, 90 club. Like they're, they're pressing for that, that efficiency club every, every season. And it's crazy that we go from like the T max and the, the Stevie franchises and stuff of the world who are just Chuck and pray. I mean, they were making buckets, but like inefficient as hell sometimes. So now it's like, if you can't be efficient, you may not have a place to start to be a star in this league. Yeah, Absolutely. So I think we agree though, like on that first team, not a whole lot to argue with. Pretty, pretty, nope. pretty good, good list there. And I would uh, absolutely he, say the second, the second team, uh, almost the same thing. Yep. Like there's not much that you could change there where I'm just like, oh wow, like that shouldn't be. I mean, you have to go with Damian Lillard and Chris Paul as yep. your guard positions. Absolutely have to. So the season that he had, Julius Randle, I understand it. And then of course, like you know. LeBron and Embiid. I mean, they, yeah, you, you can't put LeBron less than that. I mean, I know he missed 20 games, but like he, he was still 25, seven, seven, somewhere around there. 
Yeah, like, I had LeBron third team. I know you didn't like that when I did it. Um, I flopped him and Rudy. Um, so sure. I had Rudy, which like again, I'm not. I still stand by. Like I feel like games played has to matter at some point. But you're yeah. right. Like I'm not arguing between. Like if you have him second team, I'm not gonna be like that's dumb. Like it makes sense. Um, right. So, so yeah. So second team, what do we have? We had Dame, CP3, Julius, Randall, LeBron, and Embiid. Like again, no no qualms there. That that makes Can't sense. Be mad at it. I think the third team again. We're we're getting into like we're trying to fit twenty players into fifteen spots, and that's really tough. Like your top twenty is going to be hard to get fifteen guys in. But you and I like had a very similar all three teams, but our our third team like was very similar. And the names that like are on here, we actually had off the list. A few of them are off the list, and then some of the ones that were left off, we definitely like agreed on pretty pretty strongly. So go through the third team, and then we can talk about we can call them snubs, but like who wasn't in the third team that we thought should be. Right. So at third team, we have Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert. Okay. Again, like it's hard to say that any of those guys are not deserving. Sure. But it's really hard for me to sit here and look at this and think Westbrook missed it. Zion Williamson missed it. Jason Tatum missed it. Devin Booker missed it. Trey Young missed it. Donovan Mitchell missed it. Like, and I I can't tell you who, who to replace in there. Kyrie, I think, probably. But... That, that's the one, right? I don't, I don't know. Yes. Like, and then, like, I thought, well, maybe Jimmy Butler. And then I went back and look what he did this year. No, <laughs> hell no. Like, no, he right? Absolutely deserving of it. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I'm. I went back and looked at who I had in the third team, and I'm like, oh, Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker were the two that, like, I swapped out Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And I go back and look, and I'm like, okay, Devin Booker was 25 and a half. Um. Four and four, five and five, four and four, whatever you want to call it, you know. And then you go to Jimmy Butler and you're like, well, well, shit, he's kind of got him beat there. Then you go to, you know, you just kind of go down the list and you're like, well, well, damn, like maybe eye test matters. And like, you know, maybe stats matter, but so does eye test. But it's like, damn, but when I watched Jimmy Butler, he was an all NBA player. Like, it's hard to dispute that. But when I watched Devin Booker, I see an all NBA player too. So it's like, where do I draw the line? And you can't like. Some of these, it, it really is going to come down to people voting. And unfortunately, like humans have different things that we look at. And you and I were both on on same par with Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. But I think maybe the games missed for for Donovan Mitchell played a part um, in that sense. And so I do, this is where like I, I like the idea of voters because it does bring in the human element. Because if it was easy to just plug it into a computer, we would do it. Like right. Nick Wright always talks about this with the MVP. And I agree with him on this where he's like, we can't just dilute it to PER and stats because if that's the case, we don't need voters and you can put it into a computer and it tells you who the MVP is every year. So I like that we have some discrepancy between not that we're like, mm. you know, voters of this thing or anything, but the fact that you and I have different, that we have different views of these voters and these voters have different views from other people is what makes this kind of cool. However, people's money are on the line. So like at that point, it can get a little finicky. But like again, I can't argue with any of these. They're all they're all great, and and the list that was put together, you're like, well, damn, that makes sense. Like it just goes to show you though, like how I don't know. Oh my goodness, Kevin Durant. 
Yep. Not on this list. Who, by the way, is one of those guys that I would throw as a top five player who yeah. I forgot in my list of seven people that's a top five player. So like it just goes to show you like how many actual really good players there are in this league right now. And probably more so than we've had at any given time, I would say, right? I mean that I can remember. Yeah. So like, you know, hats off to all these guys who made all NBA teams, the guys who didn't make it, like all of these guys are going to get their chance, though, again. I, I just, the one guy that I continue to feel bad for is Devin Booker because sure. he got snubbed from the All-Star team a year ago. He then got snubbed from All-NBA last year. And he, and, and I, I say snubbed. I know it's not necessarily a snub. But, like, he, he's not getting on these teams. And, like, sure, he's going to make a ton of money. And, and everybody knows he's really good. He's putting on a show in these playoffs. But, like, I just want him to get one. Like, at some point, I yeah. just want him to get on one team because – I think maybe like then this next year coming up because he's been in the playoffs like this and he's making that run, maybe he'll get some more love and notoriety. Um, but I just feel bad for that guy. But everybody else, I and mean, but even then, I'm like, damn, everybody, everybody deserved it. So I can't, I can't be mad. It's it's really difficult right now. I mean, but like I said, the NBA is in a great spot. We talked about this last week. There, there was eight teams left. Now there's seven. Yeah. Any one of them could win, and you wouldn't be surprised. At this no. point, pretty much. Yeah. Right now, so. I think I think what's what's left, Atlanta probably still I know they just tied it up two to two. I still am I'm, I'm a little bullish on yes. Atlanta, but but even then, like if they show me something and they end up winning the next couple games and win this series, then you're like, Okay, I don't I don't still don't know if you can win it, but you made it, you know? Like Yeah. I'll give you that. So um yeah, there's there's six legitimate teams left that I feel like are still vying for for a title for sure. Well you're like, wow, any one of these guys can bring it home and you necessarily probably wouldn't be surprised, you know. No doubt. I so, agree. So it's awesome uh for parody in the league, which is something we have not had in a long time. We brought it up last week about how uh the finals have been dominated by LeBron, Curry, and Kobe for the last fifteen years. And if you want to add Shaq and Duncan, it's been the last twenty. 20 <laughs> plus years so like it's kind of good to get some new blood in there you know and for and sure kind of just see what happens so yeah i i agree um all that said like you said congrats to those dudes um but some of these dudes are currently playing in some really really good um second round series that we have right now um Joe, I will I will let you have the floor for the first one for the Suns and Nuggets. Your your squad um, just looks dominant, up and down. Yeah, you know what? I mean, let's not kid ourselves though. The Nuggets were playing two NBA G League guards, starting two <laughs> NBA G League guards for the entire series. Pretty hey, much up until, until game four, game. Joe. Up until, until game, game four, <laughs> right? And then uh, and then you got uh, Monte Morris, who had a horrible series. And Will yes. Barton coming back from injury was Will Barton off an of injury with half a hamstring, like was your best guard, was your yes. best ball handler, was your best outside threat for that series. So like, um, you can understand why Jokic was so frustrated that he slapped the shit out of Cameron Payne, um, <laughs> just because one he didn't have any guards, and then yeah. two um, he could not get he could not buy a, a call all series. Yeah, but let's not kid ourselves. The Suns were. So much more talented than Denver Nuggets. Like it, it, it wasn't crazy. Aiden was fantastic. They didn't have an answer for Booker or Chris Paul. I mean, and uh, and Chris Paul was getting literally any shot 
that he wanted to do. He he could do whatever he wanted in that series with zero to no resistance. Yeah. Um, you you hit everything uh, right on I mean, the head. Cam, sorry, one more thing. No, go for it. Campaign and Cam Johnson were better guards than anything the Nuggets have. Their backup guards were better than the Nuggets starters or anything else that they had. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about depth. We do it every time we talk about the Suns. Like, they have legit depth. Um, yes. I mean, you if you if the fact that you can go to Sarich and then Cam Johnson and campaign like at any moment that you want, um, that's lethal. I mean, I, I give Sarich crap for his defense, but, like, he, he, still, he still fits well with that team. Um, and so, like you said, their, their team, their whole depth, their bench, most of their, some of their bench is better than, than, like you said, the two guards that were starting for the Nuggets, you know, at one point. Um, and when that's the case, you you just don't match up. Um, Aiton is growing up before our eyes. He's flourishing before our eyes. And Chris Paul just continues to, he had 8.2 assists to one turnover in the ah, series he had so more stupid. he had more <laughs> steals six than turnovers five and he is just absolutely doing everything he wants and controlling the entire everything of the game and that is making not only Devin Booker more comfortable but DeAndre Ayton and just everybody around him I mean when Jay Crowder like you mentioned when Jay Crowder is f- easily and like in the flow of everything hitting three upon three in your mouth that is just icing on the cake because again you don't really need that but when you get it you're going to blow teams out and you're going to just dominate teams because he's getting such he's getting open shot upon open shot with chris paul running everything um and that's exactly what we saw so i mean again it sucks for the nuggets and i know michael malone is bummed about that and and he should be and they had some unfortunate luck but like that team the nuggets is set up for the future but but this sun's team is also if Chris Paul stays, which I anticipate they're going to give him some money, that team is set up for the future as well. Yeah, I think Chris Paul stays, and I think they uh, they can build upon what they're doing. I also think the Nuggets are going to bat- bounce back just fine. Yeah. Um, they're going to be right back. They'll be another second-round playoff team next year uh, with a chance with – if Jamal Murray's healthy, uh, a, a chance to go even deeper back to the, to the Western Conference Finals. Yep. So, but uh, – yeah, I mean, they just – they looked outright dominant. I mean, there's there's nothing the Nuggets – they had no answers, man. So they had no answers. I'll ask you this. I mean, with everything we're seeing now, the Suns are probably the favorite in to win the finals right now, right? Or are they are you still not sure yet? Like, would you? I guess I okay. So know. I guess who do you have ahead? Like, in your heart of hearts, like gun to your head, where do you see who is better than them or more of a favorite to win the title right now? I don't know because the one weakness I still that I still say that they have is interior depth behind Aiden and 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 some rim protection that comes with that. Yeah, but I don't know that there's any teams left, really that. That could be that their biggest their biggest threat was the Lakers. Yeah, like LeBron and AD. No, seriously, like a healthy no, Laker, Laker Laker team probably takes them out, and they might be the only team that is able to do that in the West. So, like, I mean, you want to say like uh, the Clippers? You know, if they survive the Jazz, they got Kawhi and Paul George. Well, you know what? Like, Bridges is a really good defender. So is Chris Paul. Devin Booker has become a really good defender. Like they have the dogs to to run with them. 
So you might be right, man. You might be right. I I'm I just like from what I've seen, I'm looking, I'm like, all right, well, the Nets, I mean, I know the Nets Harden's playing tonight, which what we can talk about in a minute, but like injury concerns with the Nets. The Bucks have not looked great in this series at all. They're lucky to be two two. Um Sixers, not great at times. Hawks, lucky to get out of game, you know, four with a win there. Um Jazz nothing tells me that they're overwhelmingly dominant and the Clippers who at times look like the most dominant team in the league also can look disconnected and disengaged. So the only team that I have seen put together four complete, really, really good games. And then eight, I mean, honestly, if we're including the Lakers series is the Suns. So, um, you know, I, I just, I have to look at that and go, man, like if you're, if you're asking me to put some odds on it, I would probably have the the Suns as as like a close favorite, and I would probably have the Clippers somewhere in there too. I don't, I just don't know why, but I would, and I'm so nervous to say that, but like I just would because when I know I know we say this every time, but when the Clippers are on, they are the best team in the league, well, right 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 now currently, um, <laughs> but when they're not, they look atrocious. <laughs> when Kawhi is the Kawhi of last night, oh my yeah. god crazy like there's this i mean he is all over the place offensively defensively like he's just he's dominant you're you're right you're right you want to see it you want to see it more consistently though you do um and so let's just jump right into it let's talk about it so last night clippers are down 2-1 they're back home in the staples center and we get a performance from from Kawhi and from Paul George and Marcus Morris at times. And um, but you hit the nail on the head. Like Kawhi was incredible. And there's like two or three games a series where he just he just looks unbelievably good. Like Michael like Jordan, like everything favors. he everything he does reminds me of Michael Jordan like the hand like the the palming the ball the ho- hanging in the air even his pull-up jumpers when he hits like from 15 it all is just so Michael Jordan-esque but then he'll flip it on the other end and you're like oh man Jordan wasn't even this good of a defender like Jordan was a really really good defender at times but Kawhi is just so much more physically imposing and is so much longer and just presents so much more so many more issues I just I get mesmerized watching him how good he is yeah I mean it's 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 fun and like, and for a moment, you forget that like you really don't like the Clippers because <laughs> you know what I mean. Because like, I'm being serious. No, you're because right. He's so good. And then I tell you what, when Paul George is playing like Paul George played the other day, he's really, really good too. Yes. And I want to say something though. The last two games by the Clippers, their defense has been outstanding. Incredible. The Jazz have the Jazz can't get comfortable in any way, shape, or form. Right. Is that a product? I see a lot of standing around with the Jazz. Is that a product of of that and not having a one on one score, or is it that the Clippers' defense is just that good, or is it a mix of both? By the way, I still laugh every single time Patrick Beverly gets comes in the game. Yeah, he. Um, so he, it's funny. Russell, I, yeah, go, Russell Westbrook said it best with him. What do you say? And so Russell Westbrook said it best with him. What was it what a year or say? two ago? You didn't hear about that? I might have, but in the interview when uh someone asked about Pat Bev's defense and he said he's out there tricking you guys, like acting like he hustles, but then Harden had 47 points or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um 
So I think I th- I think sometimes when we watch these series, like we can get really caught up in what we just saw. So yeah. let's like break, and we're gonna be able to do it with all of these series because they all basically went two and two. You know, like two really different d- outcomes and two different outcomes. So like let's focus on the first two games for the Clippers. Jazz win both of them, but like in not really like any convincing fashion. I mean, they ended up winning. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, in one of the games, the Jazz were up big, and then the Clippers kind of came all the way back, and the Jazz ended up winning. And then in game one, the Jazz were down a ton, but then figured out stuff in the second half and got it going. But I never was, like, ever really worried about the Clippers. I I just never felt like after game two, even after the Jazz won, I was like, I think the Clippers still have the blueprint. They just got to do it. And then yeah, in game two, me this. Yeah. yeah. And then in games three and four, they clearly had the blueprint and they went nuts. But Ty Lue did something interesting, and I was listening to a podcast today. I think it was Rosillo, or maybe it was Ben Simmons and Rosillo, but whatever, a Ringer podcast. And they said that in games one and two, Ty Lue went big. He played Zubach, and he played um, – he might even played Batum a little bit, but he, he went big. And then he went in games three and four, he went completely small, small ball the entire time. And somebody brought up, or and then apparently somebody asked Ty Lue that question, and Ty Lue was basically like, hey, we just went through a seven-game series, the, the series before, we're exhausted, and I'm trying, and he played 11 guys in game one, right? We, we made fun of him for that. And like, yeah. I still believe that that deserves to be made fun of, because you should never be doing that in a series. Correct. But I almost think that Ty Lue is just fucking with us. Like, I almost believe that Ty Lue is like, I know that my best lineup is small ball, but I'm giving my guys a rest, in, even though it's a loss. I'm giving my guys rest in games one and two because I know that small ball will win us four games, even if it's not four in a row. I know it's kind of like the, the, the 80 at the five thing. It's like, I know that if I play small ball against these Jazz, Derek Favors doesn't have it anymore. He can't compete right now with these guys in small ball. He looks awful out there. I say what? So does Rudy. And so does Rudy. And so he knows that he can get four wins with small ball. So he's kind of just like, I'm just going to take this thing easy and play my trump card when I have it, which is the small ball five. And every time he plays it, the Jazz have no answer, nothing. And now I'm not condoning that. I think you should probably try to win as quick as you can to get guys rest. But if you're going to get guys rest in game, the way to do it is not play your best lineup all the time, I guess. It's like game, it's like load managing within the game, if you will. Interesting. I'm not saying I'm with it. That. I just but the, the Clippers look better. I mean, the last two games they've looked better. So they've also they also were at home, and we yeah. know how role players do at home. So it'll be interesting. Game five back in Utah. Yep. To see how that goes. Because what do you uh, think? What do you think there? Game five. I don't know. Clippers have a lot of momentum right now. Donovan Mitchell, not 100% healthy. Like They need Conley. We didn't mention that. I'll let you they, talk about it. They need Conley. They need Conley bad. Because one thing that we've talked about or we've said in the past there is, man, the Jazz are deep. Guess what? They're really not that deep. At least not this series. No, they're really not. And and Conley adds to that. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing Royce O'Neal and Derek Favors more than they need to. They're playing that... Uh, one kid um, who probably shouldn't be in the rotation. Jordan Clarkson looks awful, at least through the last two games. Yeah. So, like, they need Conley to give them another ball handler, someone who can drive, break down the defense, someone who can play pick and roll. I think that makes a huge difference if he's back, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're going to see it. I, I really don't. I know he's day-to-day every time, and usually day-to-day is like, oh, he'll be back by game three or game four. But, like, mm-hmm. he's still questionable for tomorrow. And so I'm still not sold he's going to play. And and I, I just – if he doesn't play, that changes a lot, and it makes it really, really tough on Donovan Mitchell um, going forward. And Bogdanovich didn't play great yes, yesterday, um, and they're just struggling to find some continuity. They are, and they're not getting any open looks yeah. whatsoever. The, so, the Clippers, the Clippers' perimeter defense has been incredible. It really has. Their rotation has been on point, but you know, it's also a lot easier to be on point when you have one person who can drive the basketball into one of them. Yep, that's true. So, you know, having yeah, Conley you, back would would make that a big difference. I think. You texted it. You said live by the three, die by the three. And and that usually doesn't necessarily predicate to NBA. A lot of times that's like a college basketball kind of saying. But like but the way this this jazz team is constructed is it's hit twenty threes a game, try to at least, you know, and and they just haven't been able to do it except for, you know, even in games one and two, they didn't shoot incredibly great. Um, they just you know, they just had bad misses from the Clippers, where in this set setting, they're not even they're they're just not even getting open looks. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think the Jazz can win it without Conley coming back. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, let's swap to the, to the East here. Just a quick PSA. Joe and I recorded this episode during the Milwaukee Bucks and Brooklyn Nets game five last night. So, as you're listening to this, we don't have any context as, and we don't have any result as to what Kevin Durant ended up doing. Um, so I'm going to just briefly interrupt this segment, or before we even get to the segment, um, I want to make sure to give a little bit of context and talk about the incredible performance that Kevin Durant put on um, last night. At the time of recording, it was it was first quarter at halftime. The Bucks were in total control. Kevin Durant was still playing well, but he only had about 18 to 20 points at halftime. Um, And then the man goes off and he ends up with 49 points. He had 49 or 48 minutes and he had 17 rebounds and 10 assists. Um, He's the only player in NBA history and playoff history to have 45 plus points, 15 plus rebounds and 10 plus assists in a playoff game. That's it. Kevin Durant. That's the list. Um, So as you're listening, obviously take that into context. Um, I'm only going to really talk about the 48 minutes. He played every single second of the game last night, two years removed from the worst injury you can have as a basketball player, which is a ruptured Achilles. He he guarded sometimes the best player on the floor at times for the other team. He had 49 points. He had 10-plus assists, and he had 15-plus rebounds. He had a triple-double playing 48 minutes in a playoff game in which his team needed all of it. James Harden had nothing. Um, he didn't have Kyrie Irving cause he was hurt and James Harden probably should have been playing cause he was hurt. And yet Kevin Durant was sensational and the Bucks did blow that game. They have no reason to have not won that game based on everything I just said, but I'm going to give Kevin Durant his flowers. He was incredible. It was a remarkable performance. What we witnessed was true greatness and it was one of the best performances by a wing player in the playoffs, let alone just in general. Um, you want to talk about wing players, you can talk about your Mount Rushmores, if you will, your Jordans, your LeBrons, Larry Birds, Kobe Bryants, some of those best wing players ever to play the game. And Kevin Durant just did something that none of them ever did in a playoff game. So as you're listening, 
remember that that we don't we aren't that far yet. We're only at halftime of this game. But I wanted to make sure to mention that Kevin Durant had one of the best performances I've ever seen in a playoff game when his team needed it the most. Um, and as we alluded to at the end of the Brooklyn Nets segment in our podcast, we thought that the the Bucks were going to win this game. Well, they don't end up winning, and actually the Nets are up three to two. So just remember that as you're going through. Um, but we apologize for for not having that information um, as we are recording during the game before the game had ended. So Nets Bucks. Uh, Nets looked really good after the first two games, right? Or, or, or you can say the Bucks looked really, really bad, like awful. Like Budenholzer looked lost. <coughs> but uh, you know they've won two in a row now. Now they're back home, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and they still haven't looked great. I mean, game three that was anybody's. Like, yes, they could have gone down 3-0 very, very easily in that. Oh yes, like yeah, we recorded that night. Six. <laughs> we recorded in between, you know, that game and then the Clippers Jazz game, and we said like, I don't feel good about this. Like, I don't feel great about the Bucks winning this game at all, um, because it literally took it took everything they had to win by what? What they win by two, three, three, eighty six to eighty three. Yeah, so they it took everything in them to win by three, and it took an like a historically bad shooting night from the Nets to only lose by three. So you come away from game three and you're like, oh, I still believe the Nets are, are going to win this series. Then game four happens, and Kyrie goes down. And I want to make something very clear. Everybody is attributing the Bucks' win to Kyrie going down. The Bucks were on a 19-2 run right after sorry right before the Kyrie injury Kyrie yes. gets hurt and then they continue to go on a nice little run and Kevin Durant actually I think had 14 in the third to try to bring his team back and they still couldn't get over the hump and then he didn't have a good fourth quarter which you know people were killing him for which I, I get if you want if you're a superstar you got to try to try to do something in the fourth quarter but uh, <laughs> weirdly enough it's two to two and I still don't know how great I feel about the Bucks. I feel like they game game three was anybody's, and they yes. l- literally could have been down three zero. Game four from the get go, there was a different feel, and I felt like the Bucks were going to win that. Giannis, I felt like stopped dicking around, didn't shoot one for eight from three. Um, you know kind of settled into his role as a superstar, not superstar kind of thing. It's, it's yeah. weird, right? Like, how do you, how do you deal with him? I don't know because like he is so dominant, but his one huge flaw is just so massive. Yes. Like it's, and it, and it's the worst flaw you can have in the NBA as a superstar. Yes. Yes. Which we're going to talk about in this last series we'll chat about. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm with you. Quick score update. Three minutes left in the second quarter. Bucks are up 51-37, so up 14. They're definitely playing well. Um, Middleton's 3 for 10, but Giannis is 7 for 9, and Drew Holiday is 3 for 5. And they're getting their typical production out of those three. Um, and that's pretty much, I mean, Bryn Forbes and Connaughton are okay, but... Anyway, it's kind of the three you would expect to, to be scoring. You know, those are the three that you wanted to build your team for. Um, yeah, Drew offensively has not had a great series. He hasn't. Um, you know, I still look for that to change as he gets more comfortable. He's never been this deep into the playoffs and played against 
this kind of competition this many times in a row. So yeah. I think as he gets more comfortable, that'll be better. And I just think like we said it at the beginning of the series, like I just think the Bucks have all the pieces. Like if they play correctly and don't play scared shitless like they did the first two games, like this could be a, right now they could win four in a row. And it yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still all in. I'm not wavering. I'm still all in on Bucks coming out of the East. Um, I have been. You and I both have been. And so I'm not wavering. Um, I was a little worried after games one and two, but I did know that like the Bucks. That we always say this: the series doesn't start until a team wins a road game. Um, and so like I was ready for the Bucks to go back home. And and right now the Bucks may be the one to you know win a road game. So we'll find out. But um, can we briefly game four? How about P.J. Tucker's defense on Kevin Durant? Oh, it was phenomenal. And hats off the referees, too, on that, by the way, because they were not uh, they were not fooled. Yeah. Like, hardly at all. So, But, but P.J. Tucker, um, excellent, excellent job. I tell you what, though, not that Durant ever struggles to score against anybody, but if there isn't anybody that he struggles to score, it is those big-bodied, like, muscle defenders. If he's not getting – fouls called for him against guys like pj tucker or you know if it was drayvon green or something like that guarding him those are the guys he struggles against to score against yeah because um Rosillo was talking about this he said you can't you can't stop durant at the top of his shot because that's impossible he'll shoot over you but you can start him before he gets a shot you can stop him before he gets the shot off and yeah. stifle him and follow him and bump him and get in his belly and PJ Tucker did all of that, and and I'm sorry, Steve Nash, your little your little post game thing about it maybe being borderline out of bounds or not basketball type plays. Miss me with that. This is playoff basketball. This is what PJ Tucker does. He's a vet. He's savvy. He's tricky. And um, Kevin Durant needs to figure it out. I'm sorry. Like now you had game, you had a game to watch it, and I'm assuming he's guarding him again. And let me look at the stats here. He's six for ten with eighteen. So he's made an adjustment. He's gonna get some buckets. Um, yeah, but, you're not going to stop him. Yeah. You just slow him down. You make it difficult. I mean, you make him expel a lot of energy. I mean, that's really what you're, what yes. you're trying to do if you're PJ Tucker. I agree. I will say this about the NBA though. I love basketball. You know, I love basketball. Yeah. It's my favorite sport. It's the only sport that I can think of where like a lot of times the stronger you are, the more you're punished by officials. I, by I don't even know if it's stronger. Like I just think so. it's bigger. Like just bigger in yeah. general, like big guys, big men are officiated so atrociously compared to like other people. Yes. But I agree. So, and it's, so, so when I see PJ Tucker being physical, playing really good defense, sliding his feet, it's not like he's really fouling Durant to be honest with you, but he is like, you know, being physical with him and to see to see the referees, let him do that at least like in good guarding position when Durant creates contact, not calling it those type of things. Hats off to them. Cause I think it's great. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely what you want to see from playoff basketball officiating. That's for sure. Um, that's what the, the Cavs did in 2016 with Steph Curry. They bumped the shit out of him. They, they harassed the shit out of him and, and referees just refused to, to call it. And, if that's how it's going to be, then just keep on doing it because it's going to work. Um, yeah. And guys are going to get frustrated and get exhausted and get pissed, like you said, and that just plays into the hands of the team that's that's physical. So um, shout out to the Bucks; They're up 16 now um, heading into halftime, and it looks like if they can kind of 
continue this that they should be up three to two by the end of the by the end of this podcast. So yeah, um, it might be it might be four games, man, or four straight. It might. It really might. Um, and and there comes a point where like if you're if you're Steve Nash, I mean, right now James Harden has played 22 minutes. He's 0 for 6 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3 with zero points. There there comes a point where, like, he just doesn't got it. You don't want to hurt him anymore. Take him out. Like, just yeah. cut your losses and 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 try to run it with just KD. Um, if and, and, you know, to not further risking injuring him more and, and it being a long-term thing. Um, but anyway, that's that's that. Um, all right, let's uh, let's round this out here. Let's finish off this e- other East side with the Sixers and the Hawks. Man, I'm so this should have been a sweep. Like Sixers are just playing around. They look like a team that they're in the playoffs every single year, and you can make the argument that they've underachieved in the playoffs just about every single year, and they're doing it again. There is no way that this should be a two-two series. Tell me I'm wrong. It should be at least three-one, if not a sweep. You're spot on. Um, I. Game one was kind of just like the Sixers being unprepared and just not really engaged. Um, yeah. But it should be 3-1 because what happened two nights ago um, was – or what last night, sorry, was inexcusable. It just can't Unbelievable. happen. Unbelievable. Yeah. Jo- Joel Embiid 0 for 12 in the second half, missing a lamp to win it at the end of the game. Um, ESPN Stats and Info said that is the most consecutive misses in a half of basketball in NBA history mm. from one player. And I don't want to put it all on him. Of course not. I don't. But, like, he didn't have a great – he had an okay first half, if I remember. I don't think he was great. Seth Seth Curry really, like, (laughs) saved their asses in the first half of that game. Yeah. But, like, you just – this. I was thinking to myself, and I almost texted you this last night, like, down the stretch, things aren't going your way. You blew an 18-point lead. You're still somewhat in control. Like your your best player, Joel Embiid, misses 11, 12 straight. That's the type of game a championship team finds a way to win. Yes. Right? Yes. If you are a team with championship like hopes and you really believe that you're right there knocking on the door, like that's that's a game I just feel like you have to have. So let me let me bring something up that may be unpopular with you but and, and people that are listening. This is the reason why Ben Simmons is not the long-term option, and here's why. Because you just said this is a game where your superstar, who is Joel Embiid, is 0 for 12 in the second half, and if you want championship aspirations, you have to win this game. Find a way. Yes. Well, who's the other guy that's supposed to do that? Your max player that is a point guard who is 6'9 and can get any bucket he wants in the paint if he just shot the ball. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is, he like was, I said, it's, it's not just Joel Embiid. Yeah. Like, Ben Simmons was, like, Ben Simmons needs to get into attack mode, man. Like, Yes. I'm sorry, you don't get paid max money to be a defensive stopper. You get paid max money to do both, to play on both ends. Yeah. And... Or be really, really gifted offensively, which he's not. So I I watched several possessions where Shake Milton or somebody else brought the ball up and Ben Simmons was standing in the dunker spot just hoping a rebound came to him. That's unacceptable. That's unforgivable. And 
And they took him out at times because they were worried about him shooting free throws. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I just can't have that from my max player that is supposed to be my second star in a game where my one star, my overall star, is clearly hurt a little bit and struggling and exhausted. I need ben somebody Simmons else to step up. Yeah. Ben Simmons doesn't even have to be like a good shooter or a no. good scorer to me. He just has to be willing to do it. I don't like, even, I don't, he doesn't even have to be willing to shoot. He just has to be willing to look to score. Yes. No, I, I 100% agree. Because there's a few times he had offensive rebounds or dribble penetration waves right up there, and he kicked out. And yep. sometimes those guys hit it, and they did, and it was great. And there's other times where he's like, oh, man, like you could have just dunked on someone's face. Like, Yep, and it, but it, on the it, road, it we've, sa- we've said this. On the road, role players can go cold at any moment. They don't hit shots like they normally do at home. Yes. And if you're Ben freaking Simmons and you're 6'9", driving to the lane, even if you're afraid to shoot a free throw, at least step up and try to, to dunk the ball or make a layup or at least yeah. be a threat to do something at the rim instead of relying on deep three, corner three, fadeaway three each time. Um, I just I was watching it and I was like, man, this is this is where the Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons um, marriage is, is going to be broken at some point. I just... I don't think that they're going to commit to both of them at some point. They needed someone to take the game like on their yeah. back. Like that's what, that's what they did. And, and Joel Embiid at least tried sort of, he was yeah, settling for, some, he tried. for some weird shit, like settling for some weird shit. And then defensively, that, he was not there too. The, the weird, so the three pointer that he settled for that he hit the that he hit no oh. rim and just backboard was an atrocious shot. And yeah. it was almost like, it was almost like a, well, we got nothing else. So I'm just going to shoot this. Wow. Tobias Harris also, where the hell was he? See, that to me should have been their go-to down the stretch. Yeah. Like Joel is like, cause they have all the pieces, right? Yep. Like, do you have that second score? Even if it's not Ben Simmons, your team is built that way. Yeah. Like Tobias Harris let himself completely get shut down. Like the Sixers showed to me like no, no heart, no grit to like really, really just want to take that game. It was just like, as soon as the Hawks pushed back, like it was, it was just kind of like, okay. And they didn't know what to do. You're the better team. Like, oh yeah. You have the star power. You have the size, just looking at them, like, yep, that it's it angers me to no end that this is a two-two series right now, especially because the job Ben Simmons is doing on Trey Young and Thibel is doing on Trey Young, phenomenal, just excellent, yeah, just making everything difficult for them. So why are the Hawks still in this series? Because they're so reliant. On, on Joel Embiid to get them 35 a night that when he doesn't, like they're kind of like, well, I don't want to do it. Do you? Well, I don't want to do it. Do you? And it's like, well, that ain't going to win you a title. And I, th- no. I thought going into this playoff run, like it was Bucks and Sixers against the world in the East and whatever. I, I'm almost pressed to say it's, it's Bucks and Nets, and they're both playing in the same series. So whichever one comes out of that, in my opinion, now fully healthy, obviously not injured, but... But like fully healthy, those are the two teams that I trust more right now than the Sixers, just based on what I'm watching. Um, but I got to give it to the Hawks, man. I, I know that the the Sixers blew it and and had every chance to win that game, but but John Collins and and 
um, I think Trey Young had 15 plus assists last night, and uh, Capella played really good defense at times. And they may not overwhelm you with talent, but damn, do they play hard? Do they try? Yeah, which is an entire flip flop from the beginning of the season. Uh, Nate, <laughs> right. Nate McMillan has made all the difference in the world to these guys, and uh, and he's found a way to play, especially against the Sixers right now. <coughs> Actually, if you're the Sixers, I think one of their issues is you have Embiid, not a great three point shooter. Ben Simmons refusing like three point shooter. Having both those guys on the court at the same time actually allows them to play both Capella and Collins. Yes. Right. I mean, no, it, yeah. it allows them to play both at the same time, and that's that hurts Embiid. That slows Embiid down. Yep. Um, I just love John Collins. He's so fun to root for. Um, like you oh, mentioned, yeah. you texted that too, but and Bogdanovich too. Like those two, you know, you can easily hate Trey Young, and I understand that, and like that makes sense. But there's not a thing about John Collins where you're like, damn, I I don't like that. Like I love yeah. everything about him. And Bogey talks his shit. He he's not afraid to shoot the ball. He's a catapult at times, and it's like, but he doesn't do any of the like. Uh, I almost said I almost threw a word out there that I'm not going to throw out, <laughs> but the dumb fouls, the the weak fouls, if you will, um, it's a, a word yeah. synonymous sometimes with weak. I won't throw that word out there. <laughs> Rosillo threw it. Rosillo said it on his pod, and then they had to bleep it out. So I was like, oh damn, he said what I wanted to say. But um, yeah, yeah. So the you can hate Trey Young, but there's just not a lot of things you can hate about John Collins and Bogey at all, or the rest of the Hawks. Really, to be honest That's with you, true. Capella, it's really just like, Trey Young. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Donovich, awesome. That yeah. kid, mildly annoying, but yeah. You know, Dude, they call him Red Velvet. Kevin Herter, his nickname's Red oh. Velvet. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I mean, Okongwu looks like more prepared and ready than some of the, and like he wanted to be there and was yeah. more fired up than those Sixers in the second half. Yep. Like just, just Dude, pitiful. Nate, I was, I was listening to some stories about Nate McMillan. I think, um, I'm trying to remember who was talking about him. Somebody was, was on a podcast with JJ Reddick talking about Nate McMillan. Oh, um, Thaddeus Young. Yeah. And he, uh, he basically said that like Nate McMillan is like batshit crazy. Like Nate McMillan will have like four hour practices. You can't do that anymore, but like used to have four hour practices yeah. and like used to do like crazy ass conditioning drills and like basically worked them to the bone. But he was like, but. You knew when it came down to playoff time or when it came down to the, the, the five, last five minutes of a game, we were going to be more prepared and more ready for the physicality than anybody else. And, and they were. They were. Like, the Hawks were ready for it all. They took the punches and swung back and then actually counterpunched and ended up winning because they were more ready for the game last night or two nights ago or last night. And um, I, I think the Sixers are still going to win because they're more talented and that usually plays out over a seven game series. But I think it now can go seven because I think Atlanta has all the confidence in the world because of what the Sixers couldn't do. Absolutely. So absolutely. They, it's almost like they stood up to a bully, right? Yes. And, and, and one, and they're just like, Oh shit. Like I, yeah, you're not going to take my lunch money anymore. Yep. hundred percent. Um, but damn, we are, we are lucky. Like we have, Four guaranteed game sixes, regardless, which is so awesome. Um, and still halftime in that Bucks Nets game, but like I said, up sixteen. So we will still have a game six, but that may be the last one in that series. But I, I fully believe the Clippers Jazz is going seven, 
And now I'm convinced more than ever that maybe Sixers Hawks is also going seven. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for some game sevens if we get that. Um, and there's the Suns just chilling, chilling out in Phoenix by themselves, waiting for for whoever the hell wants to play them. Like I said earlier in this podcast, we've got there's seven teams left. Out of six of them, I have no fucking clue who's going to win this thing. And no. The last time that I really didn't think it's going to be either this team or that team, like down to one, two teams. I can't remember, man. I know. I know. Like I'm actually, I'm going to pull it up right now. I want to see who like who Vegas has as the updated, updated favorites. Um, yeah. Just based on where we are. Let me see here. This was updated Tuesday. So today, um, okay. So the bucks now are the favorite to win the East at plus plus one fifty. So still plus money. And then the the Suns are now the favorite to win the West. So I guess, oh yeah, and they're plus one thirty. So they actually think that the Suns are the the favorite to win the NBA Finals right now, with the Bucks Ooh. right behind them. Interesting. So we'll see. Oh. But want to touch on this last thing before we yeah. like head out or whatever? Let's finish it. Finally, this has been years <laughs> in the making, but the NBA is quote unquote looking at that unnatural shooting motion shit that Luca and Trey Young and Harden and those guys Curry 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 doesn't do as much. He's gotten better, um, but yeah. he does do it. He does do it from time to time. Um so you know how I feel about this. I've been on soapboxes about this all the time. I think it's the dumbest So here's the thing why here's why it's dumb. And actually it's funny, Rasillo just brought this up. He goes, the bullshit side out call, like the like where it's clearly not a foul, but the refs call it. But instead of giving them a shooting foul, they're like, they basically say, oh, well, this was a dumbass call, but I have to call yeah. it. So now let's take it side out. Like, and I know sometimes that's for the rip through too, which I think we also need to have some sort of look yes. into this rip through thing. But I'm all for it. Um, the, the number of times that these guys are sideways planted their feet to the sideline and shooting a three after a pump fake where they jumped into the defender or, or there was no contact at all. Um, but a leg kicks out or something like that. Um, or the thing that Trey young does where he like slows down when he gets to the rim, instead of like getting to the rim, he slows down. I don't know what they're going to do about all of it, but the fact that they're looking into it is acknowledging they're like, Hey, we've got to do something. Let me ask you this. What is wrong with a call? And this would be, pretty hard to it's pretty subjective i guess so maybe playing it out in my head or whatever but like if you're if you're the offensive player and you initiate the contacts like shouldn't that just be on you like you did it i'm not saying offensive foul but i'm saying like you initiated it yeah they kind of already they kind of already do that but they don't do it enough you're right like they sometimes let the play go and then the offensive player like looks around like well what the fuck and it's like well you literally threw your body into him and then thought you were going to get a foul you deserve to look like an idiot however there's too many times where they still call it and then the defender is the one that looks like an idiot because he's like where the hell is the foul and then there wasn't one and like what did i do yeah yeah um i mean i would go as far as like like you said I would actually go as far as just calling an offensive foul and that would then deter the offensive player from trying it so egregiously. Like 
Now I'm sure defenders would figure out a way to like make it, you know, everybody's going to figure out a way to like loophole this system. But the way that the offensive player is allowed to loophole this system is infinitely more annoying than the way defenders can do it. Um, so I'm all for some sort of regulation of this. Again, I don't know. We don't know what the details are going to be. We don't know what they're going to be looking at. But what I can tell you is the number of times that somebody's facing the sideline getting a pump fake foul call, or sorry, a defensive call because they pump faked and then threw their body to the side and threw a shot up has to stop. It just has to. Yeah, it slows the game down. It's annoying as hell. You don't know how to play defense anymore. Like, it's just, yeah. Are, so I'm, quick, I'm glad they're looking at this. Quick note. Not on it's it's someone along the same lines, but like, were you surprised that the NBA didn't assess a flagrant to Giannis for coming under Kyrie like that on the rebound? On the play where he twi- where he yeah. sprained his ankle really bad. I wasn't surprised. I mean, really? but like, I don't. Honestly, a lot of times I just don't know what a flagrant is. <laughs> so, so like, to, to me, like. I, don't I know. just thought like, again, I'm not saying it was dirty. I'm not saying it was a malicious. I'm not saying it was on purpose because he's clearly looking up for the rebound. He's not trying to do anything. Right. But a lot of these times when these defenders are jumping out to block a shot and their foot comes under, they're also not doing anything dirty. And then a flagrant one gets called on them. And I'm like, well, what the hell? What are you supposed to do? So I actually was kind of shocked when there wasn't any sort of flagrant mm-hmm. one ass- and assessed to him because it was the equivalent of what was happening on a jump shot. It just happened on a rebound, which by the way is the exact same way that I broke my ankle is someone came under me on a rebound and I just, it wasn't me guys. No, it wasn't Joe. Um, it wasn't, but it was like, it's the same thing that happened and I'm not calling, you know, anybody that did anything wrong that happened to me or what they did that what happened to Kyrie as dirty, but you're almost kind of like, well, just because it didn't happen out on the three point line, it's not a flagrant. Like we've got to make sure that, we continue to call the same rule the same way, regardless of where it happens. But that's that's how the NBA is called right now. You can't touch guards on perimeter, like yeah. at all. But like, if you have your back to the basket and you're ten feet from the basket, or with the ball or not, like it it doesn't yeah. matter. They they let you play down there. No, but you're right. Heaven heaven forbid you touch Luca or Trey or someone out top, though. You know what I mean? Like. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's like you said, the bigger you are, the more physical they allow you to get with each other or get hit on. And yeah. it's there. There's got to be there's got to be a a consistency in some form, regardless of size. And I know it's a human element like we see freight trains going at each other. And sometimes you just think, oh, well, it's because they're so big. And it's like, well, maybe. But maybe it's also because, I don't know, the big dude got got hacked by another big dude and that should still be a, a call regardless of size. Um, or big dude got hacked by a small dude and it didn't matter cause he was small dude, but it's still a foul. You know, like, the amount of times that you see like Giannis or Embiid or Jokic or LeBron in the post. And literally the defender has like, is has both their hands on their hands, like grabbing their shoulders or grabbing their waist, like keeping yep. them, from getting their hands up to, to receive a pass. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> like it's nuts. I agree. All right, man. Um, anything else? No, man, we got some good basketball though. We do. We've got, we've got plenty of games, guaranteed games coming up. Um, and then hopefully maybe some, some game sevens as well. Real quick before right. we, we jump off. Um, I want a quick shout out. I was texting a buddy, um, Logan McLean. He, uh, 
he's a coach for New Albany baseball, um, and they just won the state title, um, the Ohio oh, state title. Awesome. So um, I wanted to give, he said, the, he, I texted him like, congrats, man. And he goes, dude, it was a great feeling. He goes, the only thing better would be getting a shout out on your podcast. And I said, deal. <laughs> um, and I said, that's bullshit because you're winning the state title is way better than getting a shout out on my podcast, but whatever. Um, but shout out Logan McLean and the New Albany baseball team. Um, Get, winning a state title is not not easy um, in oh, anything, no. let alone all the great baseball that is across the state of Ohio. Um, so shout out to Logan and shout out to the, I think they're the Eagles. Yeah, they are the Eagles. I, the Eagles I, yeah. I feel like I should know that, but you know, whatever. Shout out the Eagles. Um, That's awesome. But, but other than that, um, some good basketball hopefully coming up and uh, we will catch you guys next week in another episode. The only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got it.